Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, with some incredible news, preseason is over. I love when you have the first game of the preseason and everyone's all amped up that hockey's back and you get like halfway through that thing and everyone's like, okay, that's enough. We don't need any more of this. And got I, I feel more. opposite. I feel like this one went by super fast. Like I, I'm still in shock that the season starts next week. I forgot like, so many times there was another game. I was like, we we need more of this. Like this, oh, this I, in particular yeah like okay i think most teams have it figured out by now is this super necessary yeah no i agree there was too many games but also it still just feels like october 11th or 12th whenever we play next felt so far away like two weeks ago and now all of a sudden it's like oh we are we are here and we are ready to go and boy oh boy did the abs give us a fun way to go out in the preseason (laughs) absolutely love the preseason all facets it's a lot of guys that are probably going to be on the roster to start the season. And the same goes for the Vegas golden Knights. The avalanche lose this game four to three in regulation, blowing a three, nothing lead much to the dismay of a lot of people online who take the preseason very seriously. But this was a, this was a surprisingly spicy preseason game. A lot of energy to that game. It felt like, and uh, there were certain things that went well. I mean, McKinnon looks fantastic as he always does. I thought there were some other guys that looks like they just needed to, I was glad they were getting the reps in, in this game and not in the the regular season, but no more preseason. And we can continue with the same topic we've been harping on for most of this preseason at this point. And that's been the forward competition on the fourth line. I think it's pretty obvious. Freddie Olofsson's won it. I don't think there's a ton of debate. He's going to start the season there. Yeah. I, I thought he played great in last night's game again. And he he just looks really solid as a fourth line option. I don't expect our fourth line to contribute much offense if there's any at all, but they will be defensively sound. And that's all you can ask out of the fourth line. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like first few games of preseason, it seemed very muddled and very close. Over the last several games, I feel like Olofsson has very much pulled away from the pack. He's looked better than Myers. He's looked better than Tufty. Kibiranta, we're waiting on his decision as to whether or not he'll stay with the Eagles because they're not going to be signing him to a professional contract. Does that mean they've technically released him from his PTO? I imagine. Is... I don't think they technically have yet. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen the like official released from PTO. But if he doesn't accept, he's going to be released from his PTO, which I think is a little surprising. I liked how Kel Kibiranta looked, but there's just only so much room sometimes. Yeah, I like the way he looked, too. It was more, I just think Olofsson was better than him. I think Tufty was better than him in the competition, so it kind of makes sense for him. I would love for him to stick around in the AHL. I think he would be a fantastic midseason call-up when those first injuries happen to bring that guy up. But it was a little surprising. I, I don't know. I think it's 50-50 if he comes back or not. I mean, it's ent- the ball's entirely in his court right now. They would like to have him back. I mean, there definitely were things that he was doing that impressed right. management and traits that they would want to keep around, but there's only so many roster spots 
you can have at a time. They would like to have that ace up their sleeve if they can, but also understandable if a guy who's spent the last couple of years in the NHL and spent most of the last season on Dallas and playing in most of their games doesn't want to spend a ton of time in the AHL all of a sudden. I mean, the ball's in his court. If he doesn't accept, I don't imagine another NHL team's going to be knocking down doors to sign him, but he might end up playing overseas. Yeah, you never know. You just never know. I would love to keep him around, but like I said, it's 50-50 for me on, on if he comes back. Uh, but I was really, really hoping he would build off of what he did in the first couple of preseason games, but he kind of drifted off and Tufty and Olofsson kind of kept it up. And then Tufty in the last couple has kind of fallen off a little bit. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I wanted to take this next. Tufty in his first game in a while, seemingly against like, a full, mostly full roster of NHL competition looked like he really struggled in this one. I didn't think he was awful, but there was a clear digression in, okay, maybe this guy for the last few preseason games been kind of feasting on playing some of the, the AHL talents of the league that's sticking around right now. And then going up against Vegas, he looked like he had a pretty rough time where I thought Olofsson was at least treading water for the most part. Yeah, neither of them were impressive in this game, but and, you Olsen... know you don't expect them to right. you know knock your socks off or anything. You're asking them to just hold their own. Correct. And Olsen did it better than than Tufty. Granted, Tufty did take a stick in the face in like the first like two minutes of the game, so maybe that threw him off his game. I still think Tufty could be a very valuable call up uh, going up in the future. It's just going to be. I just think Freddie is the better option right now. And this all depends too, if Cogliano is going to be cleared to play for opening night. Yeah. That changes everything. If Cogliano is not available on opening night, I imagine both Olafson and Tufty are going to be playing on the first day of the season. I don't imagine they're going to be putting Curtis in there day one. If Cogliano is out, I don't know if that's what the plan is. I mean, Curtis McDermott in this game, if we want to have that conversation. He only played like, what, five minutes? He played five minutes and 44 seconds. In a preseason game. In a preseason game. I I know we have our moments on this show talking about McDermott and everything, and I know he has his uses and his values. If you're not putting him on the ice in a meaningless preseason game for whatever reason, whether you don't trust him or not, I hate to say what are we doing here, but the question always comes back to me like what are we doing here with this i'm telling you man he's the ultimate vibes guy he's just got to be the best teammate ever and people just love to keep him around like mckinnon and miko must love the guy because the the ice time speaks for itself for what the coaches kind of think of him right it seems like every time curtis mcdermott plays a game if he plays more than six minutes you're like whoa they're must... either the abs are either blowing the team out or they're getting blown out. Right. It. I would have imagined in this game, like I didn't expect them to give him like 13 minutes, but if you want to give him the reps, if you're planning on using him at forward for an entire season, you don't care about the result of this game. Right. Don't you want to put him on the ice a little bit more? I don't know. I, I'm still just kind of trying to make the best of this and trying to be optimistic about it, but it does kind of feel like at a certain point you're just trying to make this thing work and like it maybe it's not meant to if you have to move this guy to an entirely different position in order to make space for him which is interesting because as we'll get to later with defense it doesn't look great right now outside of your top four with Jack and and Sam Walensky you'd think there'd be a little more room for McDermott over there but they don't trust him back there 
and if they're moving him to forward, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of going off on a ramble here, but I I feel like you kind of get where I'm going with this. I get what you're going with it. It, it. it is just a weird thing that even if they were to put him on waivers, uh, he would 100% get claimed by someone. Probably, but it also comes to a certain point where it's like, how long can you keep this up? Where you have his one year left. This is last year of his deal. Yeah, he had a two year extension. Year one was last year. This is year two. How long can you keep this up? Because he's not free. This is a guy that does take up cap space and everything. And even if they're putting Frankie on LTIR to start the season, he's not going to be there forever. There comes a certain point where you're going to need to have room to call guys up and move them up and down. There might come a point where you just might have to bite the bullet and put him on waivers and see if he gets claimed or not. And if he does, move on. I know there's value to Curtis McDermott. I know to have a big physical presence on the ice. But we can also talk about the thing that scared me shitless in this game. Bo Byram still gets fucking boarded. And I feel like the entire point of having Curtis McDermott is to deter that from happening. And it's still happening. It, to be fair, that happened with like a minute and a half left in the game and Curtis wasn't going to see the ice again. But that's also the thing, right? Not seeing the ice in even a, an important situation in a preseason game. I'm I'm harping on this too much. I know. But to subtly transition into the whole Byram thing, it seems like Bo is okay. And we need to stop having preseason games against the Golden Knights. Yes. Full stop. I'm so tired of seeing these guys in the preseason because something bad happens every single time. It's just the way the Knights play, man. They just play a tough physical game no matter the situation. It could be game game one or a preseason game. They're going to go balls to the wall. But if you do it to them, they will cry and throw a fit and cry to the media about it. Correct. Correct. I'm not saying that they're right in this, but it was... I think it was more that hit looked so bad because I don't think Byron was expecting to get hit like that in a preseason game. I think if this is a regular season game, he's probably ready for that hit. But he was like, oh, there's a minute left in a tied game in the preseason. This dude isn't going to go full speed. He went full speed at him and it stunned Bo a little bit. Yeah, it definitely stunned him. I mean, it seems like the preliminary indication is that he's okay and that there isn't anything to worry about at the moment. But it it definitely stunned him and caught him off guard at the very least. And it sets up the the game-winning goal, I believe, for yep. the Knights. And, I mean, that sucked and everything, but you don't really care about the result at that point. You just want Bo to be okay. And looking at the rest of the defense in the game, I mean, Kale played in this game. I thought Kale looked fantastic. I thought, I thought Sam Gerrard, again, looked fantastic. Dude, I he's – he – I – I think another bold. I think Sam Gerrard's going to be pushing for 50, 50 points in this season. I certainly he's looked he's, phenomenal this year. I mean, he's probably looked the best out of anyone in the preseason. Yes, consistently. Yeah, for like the full time starters. Yeah. yeah, for like for the standards you have for people in the preseason, Sam Gerrard has looked the best, and that doesn't mean anything because it's the preseason and it doesn't matter. But he has for my money, been the best guy on the ice in the preseason. We'll see if that changes when you get to game one. But you go down the lineup to the Byram and Gerard pair. It does not work. We've seen it multiple times. I, I appreciate them trying it again. These two players are not a match. And then you go a pair underneath them to Sam Malinsky and Jack Johnson. There, There's not much there. They well, both really struggled in this game. Yeah. The Belinsky had uh, a rough game. 
he the it the tools look there for him, but there's going to going to need to be some developments in the AHL for him this season. He's he's not ready to come up and play men at the NHL level yet. Yeah, we bought into that preseason hype pretty hard with him. Uh, it, it's fine. It's not a bad thing. He's still going to be, I think, a serviceable NHL defenseman in the future, but the best thing for him is to just go back down to the AHL and actually play 25 minutes a game and not just sit on the bench playing 8 to 10. Yeah. I mean, the I've mentioned this multiple times preseason. The guy's played 14 professional games, seven in the regular season and seven in the playoffs, and he looked great. But that is a big jump to immediately go up to the NHL and to even have a seventh defenseman role. That's still asking a lot for a guy after 14 professional games. I think he's going to be up in the NHL this season, and the Avs did all they could to give him the opportunity to earn it. And it's just not there with him yet. There's details that need to be figured out. There's little bits of hesitation and nerves that you you just don't figure out without working it out in a game situation itself. That is not, we're relying on you to play 13 minutes a night. Right. It, it's not a bad thing. I, I think that's just the biggest thing we need to harp on. He'll get there. Uh, I, I was more concerned with Jack. He looked slow in this game. And I'm always hesitant to criticize Jack Johnson because that has gone very poorly for me in the past, but he did not look very good in this game. And it's not just like, Oh, he didn't look like he was trying. It's you said it. He looks slow. He it's the, it was the kind of slow where I'm like, I don't know if that's coming back. Right. Thing like the, the kind of speed that once you lose it, it doesn't come back. Right. And I, I'm not going to write Jack Johnson off yet because we saw what happened in Chicago last year. He was dog shit. And then he came to the abs and he was serviceable. So maybe this was just a preseason game. He wasn't fully ready for it. And when opening night comes, he'll be back to the the Jack Johnson we know and love. But if you're talking about D pairs going into the season, I know you don't like Gerard and Byram, but I think it might be in the best interest of the team while Manson's still recovering to have that be a pair of, Gerard and Byram to start the year while Manson gets his legs back underneath him. It seems like Manson's on track for opening nights or so we believe at the moment that can all very much change as we've seen over the years. But if Manson's playing, I think that alienates a lot of it and you can put Gerard with Jack Johnson and maybe have it be okay. But we floated around the idea of they need another guy for a while now. Now's the time. Guys are on waivers. If you're going to make a move, then there's going to be guys that you can at least put some claims on. I mean, the guy we were interested in the offseason was Caleb Jones. He went. He makes it to us, man. I don't think so either. But I've seen better players clear waivers at times. I really don't know why Carolina signed him. They they just signed every defenseman on the market. It seemed like once we got to to late July and August, I I think it might just be because. So they didn't want anyone else to get them. They just hoarded them so they would have all the control for some reason. But if you can get Caleb Jones, you can afford him, at least for now. I would be more open to that to start the season. But I don't know. There's always a risk like this guy just did a whole training camp with a completely different team. And you were giving him what, like a practice or two if you claim him tomorrow before opening night. 
We'll have to wait and see, man. It's going to be interesting that we knew that the six defenseman was going to be a little bit of a concern. I feel rock solid about five, though. Five of the six I feel really good about. It's just that sixth one I'm not feeling the hottest about. And hopefully it works out where Jack Johnson just this was an off game for him and he can come back and be the Jack Johnson we know and love. It's just going to be a wait and see with it. I I certainly hope that's going to be the case. But I mean, he is he is 36, going to be 37. In Doesn't it feel like he's so much older than 36? I was looking at it to make sure because I was I had 38 in my head for some reason, but he's not as old as I thought he was. I, I think Jack's going to be fine to start the season. He's not going to break any analytics records or anything. You know, he had the athletic putting him as like the lowest value player in the NHL or whatnot. I mean, yeah. I don't think him being on the Blackhawks last season helped his case very much, but no. he was perfectly fine when he came yes. here last year. If anything, he helped stabilize the defense. Yeah. He he was going game. to be a solid player in the playoffs if he didn't get hurt in the first warm-up of game one. Yeah. So, but we'll have to see. Uh, we did get to see Big Val scored a goal. Uh, like you said, Mac looked great. He had a goal on the power play. I still stand by that take. I really think this power play could be around the 30% mark. Uh, Rigel looked good. awesome. He was winning faceoffs. Uh, Ross Colton looked good. Miles Wood took a stupid penalty, but that's just, I think, what we're going to have to come to expect with Miles Wood. Yeah, there's going to have to be some adjustment with that from us. Uh, like, Miles Wood is going to take some silly penalties. Correct. There's going to be some moments in a game where you are watching it and asking yourself, what the hell are you doing? What yeah. is even going through your mind in that instance? There's going to have to be a couple of those. I don't think he has anything going through his mind in those instances either. I don't know. Maybe it's all just a red mist when he's out there sometimes, because he certainly skates like it. He does. He does. Uh, I already said Ross Colton looked good. Like, the thing I loved, and this is a whole nother, like, complaint, the broadcasting team last night was brutal. I, I get it's preseason for those guys too, but Kenny Albert and Eddie O and Brian Boucher, who I didn't even know, joined TNT. Did you know that? Not really. Yeah, I did not know that until the game started. He is an update or an update, an upgrade over uh, Keith Jones. So I, I will give him that. It's just they were bad last night, dude. Like Eddie O is one of my favorites just because of, I think, with Doc, he was so good. But like he, these guys did not study at all of no. like what it, happened. This, this was a preseason game for them, too. Yeah. I mean, they, they were just spewing stuff that was just outright not true like right just flagrantly wrong right and the, the biggest one that i got was i tweeted about was eddie o being like josh manson was great in the playoffs last year he meant to say about miko ranton who was also out for the game but he didn't correct himself he said josh manson I'm like oh boy you have no like you were literally commentating half the games josh manson was a turnstile out there because he had a torn fucking oblique <laughs> yeah on top of other injuries right so, I, I, it was a brutal broadcast crew i mean i don't think they were probably very happy about having to actually work a, a preseason game or anything they saw vegas and they're like sweet we get to do like our pre-company meeting and then they're like, oh shit we have to work fuck all right i did no, not prepare for this I'm not, at all. I'm not studying for this i mean i don't know it was just weird because usually kenny albert is so good like he is the best hockey broadcaster in america in my opinion it's bold. right now it's, bold. I, it's kenny albert but that was brutal. I'm okay. You know, I'm okay with that actually. Now that I think about it, in America, Canada definitely has the better ones. Like, yeah, I forget who does the Leafs games. I like him a lot. I can't I, remember his name. I, I have no idea. My head. He's always on the TV. But 
overall, it was a preseason game. The Avs blew a 3-0 lead. The power play looked good. Jonathan Joanne looked, I thought, really good. He had two points again. There is a possibility where, I think, was it Evan who was saying his bold prediction was Duran's going to have 65, or was that Jesse? Uh, it was Jesse. I think Jesse may have been on to something. Because Drewan, if he gets that top line opportunity, is going to get so many secondary assists on just probably doing nothing. Just so long as he's getting power play minutes, he is going to rack up points. Him and Ryan Johansson might be like a, a nasty power play duo. Correct. Like you might just put them both on power play too and just let them cook. And the funny thing is, is I thought power play one looked okay. Power play two looked more fluid. They they were able to hold the zone more. They didn't have the weapons that are necessarily needed to score. But they kept the puck in the Vegas zone where I thought the top power play unit was scrambling a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the top power play rep, top power play unit has had a ton of reps yet. They're still getting their legs. Well, they were missing Miko in this game, too. Yeah. And they're missing Miko, too, who should be fine for opening night. We should mention that's the expectation is he's fine for opening night, just a lower body thing. And why would you play him if he's 99%? No, if, if if you stubbed your toe yesterday, you're not playing in a preseason game. Right. And the big thing we already talked about, Kale McCarr, but if that's Kale McCarr rusty, uh, we could be in for, for a doozy of a season from him. He's like he's just having fun out there. Like he's just straight up out there having a good time skating around. Did people. you buy NHL 24 yet? I did not, unfortunately. It somehow right. slipped my mind. There we go. That's I, didn't, I didn't even know it was out yet. It's downloading for me right now. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, it'll not, be the exact I've not same. heard. I've not heard positive things. I've heard this one sucks. I heard there was one. There was a guy. He was like, "Yeah, that's great with this new feature that you can cycle the puck and get momentum." But then he literally shot a wrist shot and it broke the glass, and he lost all the momentum from a wrist shot breaking the glass. Like, how often does glass break that you need to? I know it used to be in the old games, but it was like so unbelievably rare. Do you need to be putting that in the game? No, it's just a new thing they can say they add. Because it's not fun in real life either. Like I don't. It's a delay. Yeah, it's a pain yeah, in the it's, ass. It's a delay. <laughs> like if you if you chip the glass, they have to delay the game for half an hour. And it happens so rarely. It happens so rarely. Altitude still talks about that game in Anaheim where they couldn't get the board to fix, and it was like a forty-five minute delay. Oh, I remember. That happened like fifteen yeah. years ago. Every time they go to Honda Center, they they talk about that, and that's how little it happens. But EA had to throw it in the game. So you know what they should do? They should have it be like real life, where if you like chip the glass at all, you have to physically watch them take it out of the thing. Right. Do the yeah. They've got really good at that though. I think it happened a couple of games a year ago. They got pretty good at it. But I imagine they've practiced it a couple of times. But if if for NHL 25, I will buy it if they put that whole rigmarole in the game where you have to actually like physically wait 10 actual minutes for them. Did you play the 2K game where they had the Zamboni mode? You could literally drive the Zamboni and clear the ice. I think it was like NHL 2K, like 12. Awesome feature. I wish they'd bring it back. Yeah. Imagine putting fun things in your game ever. It'd be fun. Before we go on a full EA Sports tirade, there was one last thing. I think it's so funny on that. The athletes Twitter and they have to do these sponsored posts. And Kale has to put out just the most ridiculous tweet that he would never say in his life. You know, someone typed that, logged into his Twitter, scheduled out the tweet for like, seven o'clock in the morning right. or whatever it was put out like he's he doesn't even know they tweeted that he doesn't, he doesn't know that was said. it's just so funny to see that tweet from kale mccarr and it, it, i feel like we know kale's personality a little bit kale mccarr is not an exclamation point guy no. he's not 
he, he's a very much a period and comma guy. Yeah. Maybe not even an emoji guy. I, I, I was going to say the only emojis I can see Kale using is like the thumbs up. Yes. That's yes. all. I, I don't even think he'd use the emoji. I think he'd literally just thumbs up the text message. Right. I don't think he even knows how to do that. I think he would just do the the thumbs up like an old person. That's a good point. It's a good point. But that, that made me laugh. Um, so, yeah, preseason's over. I imagine when we're talking to you guys next week, we'll know the final roster. Well, we should know the final roster by then because there's I, a game in the next day after. I can hope so. There's a due date for that. Right. So we'll talk about that. But we are going to get into – this is one of my favorite things we do on the show is these previews. Because we both love the Colorado Avalanche, but we also just both love hockey. And predicting seasons is so much fun because you can go back and look at just how absolutely wrong you were. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite one was the first year we did the show, I said the Penguins are going to miss the playoffs. And I think they ended up finishing second in the division that year. I was a year early on it. See, yeah. And then then you backtracked it uh, and had them in the playoffs. And they missed. And they missed. So, so lucky for you, we're starting with the Metro today. But good, good. We're going to get to all of that in due time. So just to let you guys know of uh, the scheduling for this, this is going to be part one of four with our division previews. We're going to be doing the other three in their own separate episodes, but with so much Av stuff to talk about, just didn't feel right to just ignore it today and just com- just do a division preview on a completely different division without addressing all of that first. So we're going to move on to the Metro division now. now. Listening to some of our old ones, it just kind of hit me today. Why do we always start at one? That just seems stupid. Why don't we start at eight from here on? Yeah, that makes sense. Build yeah. a little suspense. Makes makes a lot more sense to do it that way instead of just immediately revealing who wins the division. Because the second you get past four, like who genuinely cares? True. True. Let's so <laughs> let's start. Um in my opinion, I, I I think the Metro is probably the most competitive division in hockey this year. I don't know about most competitive, but it definitely has two heavyweights at the very top. When we get to the Atlantic, I think that's probably the most. That's fair. That's fair. But there, there are two really bad teams. But I don't know. I okay. see, my, my thing about the NHL this season, and we'll get into it from here. I don't. There is not really one truly honest to god awful team maybe the sharks but like there's a bunch of teams that i think are bad but not like a joke if you if that makes any sense at all there's not that many teams tanking this year it feels yeah. like it, there's there's a lot of teams that i think have kind of realistic playoff aspirations and i know everyone doesn't like like dom decisions models or everything but my main takeaway from it and i i know the rangers being third is a little wacky but he brought up a good point is that the difference between third and ninth in his model was 1.8 points. So like one more win, one more thing pushes you all the way basically to the top three. That to me more than anything illustrates just how close everybody is this season where especially in the East, there are several good teams that I think are going to miss the playoffs. Like, yes. And if they were in the Western conference, they would be safely in. Yeah. And like there are teams that I think are going to have seasons that are marked as failures and could have like 96 points, like 95 points or something like that, because everyone's so close and the Metro, I feel okay about predicting. I've got, I think I've got an okay grasp on, especially the top two, but we can start at number eight and stop dallying around and just actually do it for once. 
Number eight, I think I feel okay with is the Flyers. Yep. I have the Flyers at eight. I, I don't think they're going to be bad. They were a 75 point team last year. They're not going to be a dumpster fire, but I think they're going to regress a little bit to the 70 point ish range. I think they're going to be bad in all senses of the word, but ever since Chuck Fletcher's been gone, they have kind of sold me on the idea that they have a vision now at the very least, because the Flyers last season and going into last season were absolutely directionless. That was Chuck Fletcher just kind of sitting at his desk, not knowing what to do with anything. And just like, how did, how does James Van Riemsdyk not get traded last season? You forgot to trade one of your pending unrestricted free agents and just got nothing for him fired the next day. The guy was absolutely clueless. And at very least now with the Flyers and Danny Briere at the helm and Keith Jones running the operation, like they're not going to be good anytime soon, but they have Mitch Cobb in the system now. They have young guys that I think this team, they're not going to be bad forever. They're they're going to be back eventually and be back in the playoffs probably in a five years, something, something in that timeline. But this year, I mean, it's, it's not great. They it's not great, but the thing is, is they could be solid because they do have some pieces. Like Carter yeah. Hart had a decent bounce back year last year. I still think he could potentially get traded. <clears throat> you don't know what's going on with Konechny. He could get moved. And then uh, why am I blanking on the other guy? I almost said Garnet Hathaway. Why am I blanking on the other guy? Scott Lawton. We don't know what's going on with Scott Lawton either. Yeah. So, But also and- guys that like they've got some control over those situations at the moment. The Flyers don't have any like pressing. We need to take care of this now. Konechny's got two years left. Scott Lawton's got three and like Travis Sanheim is signed until 2031. Like they don't need to move that guy anytime soon. Like the, they have one expiring UFA and it's well three, actually it's Sean Walker, Mark Stahl and Nick Sealer, I think is on waivers today. So you can't even put him into that equation. That's the thing that scares me about the flyers is their defense group is really bad. It's really, really bad. It might be one of the worst I've ever seen. It's yes. not good at all. Like Travis Sanheim's not awful. That is not a number one. He is no. nowhere close to a number one. And sticking him with Mark Stahl, yikes! That is painful. And Rasmus Ristolainen, and everyone's favorite three kids in a trench coat pretending to be an NHL player. I, yeah, I've gotten very few positive things to say about Ristolainen in his career. Cam York is young and promising. He was one of the few bright spots for the Flyers last season. He was okay. And Sean Walker, who they got in the Cal Peterson deal. I yes. don't even remember all the moving parts. That was the Provorov trade, right? Yeah, because Provorov went to yeah. Columbus. Columbus, yeah. So there's a bunch of moving parts in that deal. Just going to kind of be sticking there. But the one thing I want to see from the Flyers, Sean Couturier is seemingly healthy. I want him to have a good year. I love Sean Couturier. Like one of my favorite rival players. Just He's a, a perfect John Tortorella player, if yeah. you think about it. He's just, he's such a great two-way player and it's a genuine shame that he has been robbed of like the last two and a half seasons. I I really hope he comes back as a strong season and honestly goes somewhere else other than Philly because he signed that deal, his extension in 2021 and has played what, like 30 games since. Yeah, I I think the Flyers already move on from him too, but no one's going to take him for what they see. It it seems like he's healthy and ready to go. So my one hope for the Flyers is Sean Couturier has a good year. This kind of seems like a a harmless season from the Flyers where every loss is good for them, 
but every win's not awful for them either. Like it's just good for morale. And if they lose and if they get a top overall pick this season on top of getting Mitchkov last year, that's that's good. The win. That's good the for win. them. Absolutely. That's a win. So I, I think we both agree comfortably in eight. Uh who do you have finishing seventh? Seventh, I feel okay about this one too. The Columbus Blue Jackets. They're not there yet, and they're off to a very bad start already. The the vibes in Columbus are better because of what already went down. I think the Blue Jackets stumbled themselves into a better season than I thought they were going to have now that Mike Babcock is gone. Yes, but it's still not good enough to get into the playoffs in this loaded Eastern Conference. But but here's the thing. I don't think the Blue Jackets are terrible. They were terrible last season. They also had perhaps one of the unluckiest seasons I've ever seen that just flew completely under the radar. Wierenski went down basically immediately into the season and then everyone else was getting hurt too they're losing all these games elvis merchleekins is going to be the guy that holds them back statistically one of if i think the worst goalie in the nhl last season they kept the wrong one by letting corpus go corpus was on that team until the deadline they had to try to get something out of this run like they barely had pieces to move that's how bad they were last season corpus at least was able to to get them something and putting merchleekins in is a great way to tank I would know. I drafted him in fantasy last year in the last round, and two weeks into the season, he lost me 20 points, which I didn't even think was possible. I'm I'm still definitely not jaded about that at all, but regardless. I'm excited to see. I think Johnny Gaudreau is going to have a good year. Uh, I'm excited to see Adam Fantilli on this line, Uh, Patrick Laine. They do have a lot of young pieces that are going to be very interesting. I agree. I don't think they're going to be a 59 point team again team again but i think they're going to be 75 to 80 best I think, case scenario i think they'll hover around the 80 point mark like they've got a future columbus i think is going to be good in the near future they've gotten all these pieces they've done decently well in the draft johnny Gaudreau. i mean everyone acts like he was terrible i mean he wasn't a point per game but 74 points in 80 games i imagine he's going to get back closer to a, a point per game pace line a was the same deal i mean he had 52 points but that was in 55 games almost point per game territory again but i don't think you can really count on line a to play a full season i think you've seen a lot of that in his career like they have the pieces Lorensky is solid when he can stay healthy i don't think severson or Provorov's really going to move any needles for them i remember when that was all we talked about because that was the only moves that the only thing happening yeah. in the offseason at that point but, I mean, it's not a terrible team. They have Spencer Martin as the backup now, who I imagine is going to get a lot more playing time if he's playing yes. behind Merzlikens. Uh Columbus is not going to have a hot goalie save them and bring them higher than they should be. They're going to hover around 80 points. And I think they're below the tier of all the teams above them in the Eastern Conference. That's going to keep them pretty comfortably out. If they get to 80 points, though, that's almost a 30 or a 21-point increase from last year. That, that's a success. I think that's reasonable considering everything that went wrong for them last year. And like, these are not bad players on this team. That's, I think that's a pretty reasonable improvement for them that they can string together a bunch more wins, still not come close to the playoffs, but be in that 80 point category where it's like, they're not the best team in the world, but you, you got to play them. Like you got to take them seriously. Otherwise you're, you're going to lose. These are talented players, best players in the world. Agreed. Agreed. So we're both same spot. Seven and eight. Uh, any other thoughts about the Blue Jackets before we move on to your number six? I mean, just with the Blue Jackets as a whole, sometimes there's not a lot of thoughts to be had on them. No, there isn't. And 
now we're into the top six and honestly outside of the top two i think the teams in six fifth fourth and third for me could fall into like the team i have predicting finishing six could finish third i think all four of these teams are very close hey everybody hope you've been enjoying this episode so far interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings sportsbook Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. Uh, yeah, I'll give my six. Uh, I have the Washington Capitals in sixth. And this is going to sound like it's it's bad, but this is just a loaded division outside of those two bottom feeders. I don't think six is a bad place to finish. I like the Capitals. I like a lot of the moves they've made. I think their coaching staff is going to be better. Hopefully it gets Kuznetsov engaged in the game because if he's engaged, he's a whole different type of player. If Pacioretty can stay healthy, this team's going to be very intriguing. Darcy Kemper, obviously, very good. And Charlie Lindgren was pretty solid for them as a backup last year, too. This is where it gets tough because I think they're a 93-point team. I think they're a 93-point team if everyone stays healthy. Backstrom comes back. Tom Wilson comes back. I could easily see a world where they finish with 100 points to finish third in this division. But as we sit right now, Expecting them to be fully healthy all year, you as a Caps fan know that's just not going to happen. And no, I don't think they, not. I don't think they have the depth to make up for that. I still think they're going to be an improved team compared to where they were last year. So I have them finishing sixth with ninety three points. I have the Capitals in fifth in the Metropolitan. I I don't have them in the playoffs. This is going to be a much better team than it was last year, but. This is, like you said, a very loaded division and a very loaded conference. They can improve all they want. They weren't close last year. And there are teams that are starting to to go around them. I mean, Backstrom, granted preseason, but he's moving well again. He's able to move the puck. He's able to skate again. And Evgeny Kuznetsov fucking hated Peter Laviolette. And I think a lot of guys on this team hated Peter Laviolette. He Yeah, was- that guy still keeps getting coaching jobs. <laughs> We'll get we'll get to him and his team in a little while here and my thoughts on that. But with the Capitals, I think Scott Carberry is a big wild card in this team and putting the joy of hockey back into it for them because it th- that coaching staff and the players never clicked and everyone was hurt and everything was going wrong. But the thing is, they I don't know if they just have the firepower anymore to keep up with the higher echelon teams in this division i think they do it's just they're it's going to get hurt because that's what happens these past three years with the caps they do have it but it's not the same anymore backstrom coming back is if he has 50 points this season i will be very happy with that if ovechkin has 42 goals again this season i'm very happy with that if kuznetsov gets back to 60 points 
I'm pretty happy with that. This is a far cry from 50 goals and point per game from Backstrom and point per game from Kuznetsov. This team has problems. They also have, I think, some decent younger players that are going to step into this lineup and do well. This is far from a bad team. But they are bad. They are caught in a very bad time right now because they're going to be in a fight for the playoffs, I think, until the end of the season. I think the difference between sixth, I have them currently fifth. I think the difference, like you said, between sixth and maybe third is not going to be that much. Six or seven points. Yeah. Because I, I can see them having a 95-point season, but oh, yeah. I don't think that's going to get them in. No, I don't, I don't think it's going to be enough. I'll, like I'll put it this way. If the Caps were in the Central Division, they would be the third-place team. Yeah, I think you could even maybe say that about my sixth-place team. Spoilers, it's the Islanders. I think so, yeah, I have the Islanders fifth. I have yeah, the Islanders fifth. So we're just swapping that. So we'll talk yep. about the Islanders next. But like, I think Darcy Kemper was not bad last no. season. He definitely got hung to dry yes. by this team. That's several, several. We brought him back to his Coyotes days. Yeah. And even still, he was a, a 908. Like, he wasn't terrible. He had five shutouts. He was fine. I think people lambast him as just oh, another goalie who got paid too much. He was on a, a shit team last year with the Caps. They fell apart. What was it like the last two months they were trying to lose as many games as possible? It, they, it went from a point in like two weeks where they're like, we're still in a playoff spot to we are selling. This is a joke. Like that, the outdoor game against Carolina showed there was no coming back for this team. They were so unbelievably and fundamentally broken. They had no shot of making the playoffs. And they and made the right call trading all those players away. And they were still very much in the playoff race. Yes. Like they were pretty much in the playoffs for most of January and most of February, and it just all fell off the rails. This team couldn't deal with Laviolette anymore. I really think he did a, a lot of damage to this team in his tenure. Like, look at the guys that got fucking exiled. Jacob Vrana, Jonas Siegenthaler, Samsonov. Like, the good players that just could not work in Laviolette's system. And I think Carberry, who's a familiar face for them, he was the coach of the Bears for a long time. He's already saying a lot of the right things, which has me reasonably hopeful for this season. Even with my hope, I just don't think it's enough. As we're is that is I think you're in the worst spot as a Caps fan right now. You're not good enough to win a Stanley Cup, but you're not bad enough to get a top draft pick. I, mean, I think this is the worst unique, spot to be. It's a unique situation because really all that matters at the end of the day is chasing Gretzky. Right. And I don't. I think they have enough of a chance at a playoff spot for me to be excited for this season. Uh, they have, I think, as good of a chance as any of the teams I'm going to talk about to make the playoffs. Fair. It's not great. This is not the team I grew up with that that would win the president's trophy and be guaranteed to make the playoffs every year, but they have a fighter's chance so long as they stay healthy. Right, because last year was the only the second time in your hockey life that you've seen them miss the playoffs. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, I, I agree. I it sounds bad that they're finishing sixth and you have them finishing fifth, but these teams are all interchangeable for me. So I have the cap six, you have them fifth. I have the Islanders fifth. You have the Islanders sixth. Let's talk about the Islanders. The most boring team in the National Hockey League. Yeah, like, this is going to be short because we had this conversation last year. This is the same team. Except and, Bo Horvat gets a full year. Yeah, the only Horvath. difference now is Horvat is here. And I wish Sorokin was on another team because he's fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, they, prob they probably have the best one-two punch in the NHL. Sorokin and Varlamov is a, a hell of a wild card for them to have. But, yeah, this team snuck into the playoffs last year. They did not belong in the playoffs. I know 
for their back-to-back runs of the conference final. Everyone was worried about the Islander way. This team just does not have goal scores, and they don't do anything to address it. And I, I think it's going to go stale this season. I think they're going to be in the hunt, same as the Caps and same as everyone Sorokin else. Broken and Varlamov will cover up a lot of the issues this team has. I think they're a very solid team. If you could guarantee me that Washington's, all their stars stay healthy, I would take Washington over the Islanders. Yeah, Because I, I do think the Islanders are going to be a 85 to 90 point team. There's just so little upside with this team. The, the floor and the ceiling with this team are basically the same. They're yeah. going to probably have around 90 points, maybe like a point or two above or below 90 points for this season. And they're going to be a team you have to take seriously because they have decent players. But Bo Horvat comes to the Islanders from Vancouver and his shooting percentage dips into the center of the earth because that's just what this team does to offense. Matt Barzell is probably one of the most wasted talents in the NHL, not because he's not on a good team, but because they are literally wasting his amount of talent and don't let him use it. And remember when we remember when they hired that coach after Barry Trotz and like, oh, they're going to open it up offensive. They're the exact same team. Well, the thing is, Lane Lambert is his assistant. It's just Barry Trotz. It's the same thing. And. I like Brock Nelson. I think he's one very underrated player. Brock Nelson, probably for my money, one of, if not the most underrated player in the NHL does not get brought up in conversations enough, but this team just looks so uninspired. There's such a glaring weakness on this team. And for the entirety of their return to form, I suppose, since Tavares left, they've refused to address. They tried to with Horvat and it's, Anyone with a brain could have told you that what was going to happen. He was yeah. shooting like 20% when they traded for him and Correct. it didn't keep up anymore. What a surprise. But like Pierre Engvall is probably going to be playing second line minutes after his seven year extension with the team. Like, I don't know. There's just so little here. It's just so boring with the Islanders. Maybe that's pushing them down my rankings just because I'm just so. The only reason I have them above the caps is because I think Sorokin and Varlamov are going to steal them games that they shouldn't win. And I completely, I completely agree with that. I mean, there's the, that is the ultimate thing with this team. If they did not have Ilya Sorokin, they wouldn't be good. They, he is. Oh, they would probably be below Columbus. If yeah. they didn't Sorokin. They are. Sorokin, I mean, he could very well come out this season and have like a Shesterkin season from two years ago where he's just the most. I thought he had that last year. <laughs> yeah, like he, but he could he could be better than he was last year, which is ridiculous. Like he is a, an excellent value bet. But the thing is, is if he even takes a slight step back, this team goes crumbling. Yeah, like he covers up a lot on this team. But Varlamov is a great backup. They don't need yes. to lean on Sorokin every single game. But... Outside of them, this is just a bland, uninspiring team. Bland, uninspiring. I completely agree. Let's move on. Who do you have finishing fourth in the Metro? Having finishing fourth in the Metro, this is where I started to maybe get a little bolder than maybe some other people. I have the New York Rangers finishing fourth in the Metropolitan. And this is where I just think everything is so close. I am a little less sold on the Rangers than other people, I think. And this will tie into my conversation about Peter LaViolette. I don't think he's a very good coach. And I don't think he's going to fix any of the issues this team had with Gerard Gallant. 
And yeah, I, it seems like he's saying the right things, like pointing out a lot of the frustrations that Rangers fans have had over the last couple of seasons. But I, 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 I hate calling out like work specifically. And this is not Don decisions fault. He didn't make the model, put the Rangers in third, but I, I read the preview and everything. And I, I just don't see the same thing. I think they have solid top end players like Savannah Jad and Adam Fox and potentially the best goalie in the world in Igor Shesterkin. But Panarin looked concerning in the playoffs last year. I still Did think you say Panarin. What you said, Panarin. <laughs> I don't know, man. Panarin, 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 Panarin. 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 Well, I'm calling him bread. <laughs> I'm just calling him bread from here on. Oh, but, it's good to know that you mess up names sometimes too. I mess up names all the time. People just don't know <laughs> their phones about it. <laughs> go on, go on with your point. Go on with your point. I'm freaking remember my point anymore, man. But anyway, you're saying they got the top in talent with those yeah. guys. I, I just I don't believe in the in the depth of this team much. I think they're they have enough that's gonna get them by. Shesterkin is gonna have a better season. He was a 916 still last season, which is ridiculous. and that was a bad year for him, yeah, which, which is, is ridiculous for a down season. But you get past Adam Fox on the defense, like it's not great. Keandre Miller, I think, is very solid. Jacob Truba is not a very good defenseman, but he's the captain of the team and gives a lot of energy. I guess from the hits he lays, I guess we're still justifying that. And I don't know the the team is just okay. Like they need steps from Lafreniere and Capocacco. We've been saying that for years now, but my point is Peter Laviolette is quite possibly the worst possible option for them to get steps from those two, because if they show an ounce of weakness, they will be riding the fourth line for the rest of the season. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I think both those players will be better on their second teams that they play for. Yeah. Like so, they, there, there needs to come a point where they do take a step forward. These are still 21 and 22 year old players, but there's not going to be any patience from this, from this coaching staff, none whatsoever. And Blake Wheeler is an interesting addition for 800,000. I mean, he still had 55 points last year and it's very clear that he and the jets needed to move on from each other. Blake Wheeler. It's not really much of a secret that he's kind of an asshole. We'll see how well that mixes in the Rangers room and everything. But I've been in very the New young. York media. Can you imagine if we found out all those things about in the Winnipeg locker room? And now if he goes to the New York locker room and that gets fucking put out there. Jesus, man. Yeah. And I've been very negative about the Rangers, but there are upsides with this team. Zabanajad's a very strong top line center. Yes. And Adam Fox is a top five defenseman in the NHL. And Igor Sturkin is arguably a top one goalie in the NHL. And that makes up for... A lot of differences, but I see people calling this team a cup contender. I, I think they're a wild card team. Honestly, I think they might get in, and it's close. I, I would not be shocked if they if they Dude, don't. I hate, I hate that we're on the same page about this. I thought I was going to be the one given the hot take about it because I completely agree with everything you're saying. I do. Uh, the Rangers are not a cup contending team. They they had their chance with Shesterkin when he had that nuclear year. They made it all the way to Eastern Conference Finals. And then last year they got exposed by a New Jersey Devils team that did not have a goaltender. You, you, you usually don't see the young team exposing the older team. Right. It's a very weird scenario where the Rangers are up 2-0 and blowing them out in the yes. first two games of that series. And outside of game six, the Devils took their lunch money. Yes. Like they embarrassed them and they went all in getting Tarasenko and Kane on that team. And like, that was supposed to be their, their all in pushing the chips to the table. Now you look at it a year removed 
they ended their rebuild too early. This team yes. was not a finished product. They called it a rebuild. They got two lucky lottery balls and got Lafreniere and Kako. Those guys haven't even panned out for them. It's all been, we signed Artemi Panarin, and I did it again. Don't even say anything. And they we, they get Vinny Trocek after that as well. And they have they already had Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. Adam Fox only wanted to play in New York. I don't know how much credit you can give them for yeah. that. It's just he wanted to play for his favorite team. He was drafted to Calgary, went to Carolina in a trade, and was like, I'm not signing here. Yeah. I'm going to the Rangers because that's where I want to play. And but you also look past Igor Shesterkin, it's Jonathan Quick. Yes, very We're, funny. A, a new, new, new name or new face and new place. Jonathan Quick as a Ranger is going to be very weird. That's a weird one. It also might not last very long. No. Jonathan Quick with LA last year was not good. He played 31 games and hey. was 76. Three times Stanley Cup champion now, though. Yep, professional Stanley Cup watcher yes. last season. So, but. It, the Rangers, I, I agree. I think they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot. I really do. It, it's going to be very interesting if they make it in. I do think they will get a wild card spot just because that top end talent is still good. And if Shesterkin is solid, they're going to be good. It's just, I don't see them as a legitimate cup contender. I don't. Like, honestly, I thought I was being super negative about them when I made my rankings. The more I've talked about it here, I don't know. I just don't, I don't have a good feeling about them. I would not be surprised if they don't make it like it, this seems like something is so incredibly off with this team. I don't believe in Peter Laviolette. I don't think they did anything by doing that. This is, this is just a, another old coach coming to a team. Like how is this different than Gerard Gallant? Like Gerard Gallant, I thought was a great hire for them when they made, it. I thought it was going to take them far and they went to the, the Eastern conference final. I just, I don't know how much you can get out of this team. Yeah, there's high end talent here, but it's just kind of I don't know, I don't want to call it a mess, but it kind of is after that. Yeah, it is it's just a mess, man. I I don't think you're wrong about that. They're going to be a very interesting team. I just I'm not high on them, man. I, I still think they can be a playoff team, but I think they're gonna have to fight for it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think if they're if they get in. They're a team that you have to take seriously. I mean, yeah, because Shesterkin can win you a series. Yeah, Shesterkin, like if if they get in as a wild card team and they play the Leafs in round one, oh god, they, they can win that series. Yes. Like even if they match up, get in as top three, and go up against Carolina in round one, or I don't know any of the New top. Like, yeah, like they're gonna have a shot for sure. But I just I don't think this team has four rounds in them. I think they might get in. That's where I sit with them right now. All right, so I, I think we're both going to have the same team in number three. Yeah, you have Pittsburgh I, at three? I imagine one, two, and three are going to be the same for the most part, and I do have the Penguins. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a little bit different. Um, like the same. They're going to rhyme at very right. least. Right. Uh, yeah, I got the Penguins at three. I just – I like what Kyle Dubas did this offseason, uh, bringing in Eric Carlson's. They pushed their chips even more all in than they were already all in. And they're going to capitalize on this window with Crosby and Malkin. The only thing that scares me about this team is, one, can Eric Carlson repeat what he did last year, and that was be healthy all year? Uh, I don't know if he can do that. Can Tristan Jari be a decent goalie? That's going to be a question. That's the big one. That, to me, more than anything on this Penguins team is Tristan Jari because there are some nights where he's great. There are some nights where you ask yourself, how are you here? Yes, and they gave him a big old fat payday, so he better be good. 
So I'm interested to see what happens with that. I am high on this team. And this all depends on two. Sidney Crosby was a point per game player last year. 93 Father, points last year. Father time's going to catch up with him eventually. It could be this year. It could not be for another two years. I, I don't know. I just like what this Penguin team is and what they're going to be. I don't think there's a chance in hell that they miss the playoffs two years in a row. Last don't. last year for them, like we have to put in consideration all of the factors. They missed by one point, and yes. that was a team led by Ron Hextall, who went out of his way to build the worst possible team that he could with putting Jeff Carter in the lineup basically every single night and getting him in the first place, the Marcus Gronlin trade. Like he was clueless for this team last season, did not fix any of their problems. They also had a ton of injuries outside of Crosby and Malkin who played all 82 games. Like this team just couldn't really stay healthy. And it looked like they were going to get in for the entire season. They were fighting for a wild card spot. And then they lost two straight games to the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets yeah. in the final games of the season that basically knocked them out of playoff contention. That's not going to happen two years in a row. This is a, a better Penguins team than the one they had last year that was also incredibly unlucky. And now they have Eric Carlson, even if he's not 100 points, which he's not going to be 100 points again, but now that there is a goal beyond feeding Eric Carlson so he gets 100 points, he might have like 70 75 points this which season. is still going to be good but that for a fucking defenseman yeah that's awesome especially with chris letang being bumped down and you're adding ryan graves to this team i like the riley smith acquisition gensel is i'm a little worried about his health he what he played most of the year last year but he's starting the season a little banged up i'm hoping he's gonna be okay for the season but i i like the way this team is i think they're overvaluing lars eller a little bit i think <laughs> i think third line center is optimistic but I appreciate their spirit a little bit. And I mean, their depth isn't great. I don't think this is a team that's going to be winning a Stanley cup or anything, but I don't either. I think this is a team that got some much needed life breathed into them this off season. And all of the, the hand wringing about them getting Eric Carlson and now they're old and they're trading draft picks. Honestly, I think that's, I, I think that's lame. I think that's really lame. This is one of the best teams like long-term teams of all time, especially in the modern era with Crosby and Malkin and Latang, Yeah, they're going to be bad one day. Why not maximize this window and try to make it the most fun it can be? Adding Eric Carlson to this team, I do not like the Penguins in any sense of the word. They're one of my oldest rivals as a sports fan. Adding Eric Carlson to this team objectively rules. That is so fun. I love that. It's going to be a very fun team. And if, Jari can give them 9-15, 9-10. I think they can finish third in this division. Yeah. I think they addressed a lot of their issues. I think they have good high-end talent. I think they're going to make some moves at the deadline to address some of their depth. Yep. And I think they're you're going to have to take them seriously in a playoff series. I think they're going to finish third. And I'm going to have them match up with my number two team in the Metropolitan, which... It's kind of going back and forth, but I have it as the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, yeah, you have the Devils at two. Okay, so we're we're different a little bit. I like that still. I have the Hurricanes finishing second in the division still. I think the Devils are due for a good jump this season. They went toe-to-toe with the Hurricanes last year when they were not as deep as they are right now. But Carolina is very real. They are a very good team. But I, I worry about my bias here because I'm just so tired of them. I've, I've put them in. The- an, they've been annoyingly good in the fact that they haven't won shit while being so good. I put them in the final, I think, for three straight seasons. Correct. 
and I cannot do it again. So I know they're going to do it this time, but I, they're a good team. They're very deep. Pound for pound, this is probably the best defense in the NHL, even if they don't have a Kale McCarr on it, because like one through fucking nine is all NHL defensemen. They cut Caleb Jones today just because they can do whatever they want. Adding Orlov to this defense is very funny. Jacob Slavin's still very good. Brent Burns still has plenty left in him as well. Like all the defensemen on this team just work out sometimes. And I think this is the only place that can tolerate having Tony D'Angelo. Yes, they can tolerate it. And Brett Pesci could be a very good trade chip for them to get a very good forward. Yeah. Like and- they they need Andrei Svechnikov to take, I think, a, a leap this season. I don't know if it's going to happen this year just because he's coming off that torn ACL. Yeah, but that's also my thing is like Svechnikov, I think, has kind of petered out a little bit where he's kind of he's great, good player, top line player. But I, I worry he's kind of stagnated a little bit, even before his injury last season. It's my I always come back to it with the Hurricanes is there's no the guy on this team. Sebastian Ajo is close, but he's like he's just below that tier. He's there's we've seen. How many years of Ajo has it even been now? Has it been like seven years of it? Something like I that. I don't think he, he, I think he's had one season at a point per game. And in the playoffs, he's he has shockingly consistent playoff numbers. He has only ever finished the playoffs with 12 or 11 points, no matter how many games it's been. You know what you're going to get from Sebastian Ajo, but he's not a guy that single-handedly takes over a series. The, the Hurricanes are the Seattle Kraken on crack where it is a top-down effort. They're only as strong as their weakest link, but they need stronger links at the top. Yes, yes. I have them finishing one just because that defense is ridiculous, and I think Svechnikov's going to come back. And what we've seen from the Hurricanes in the regular season, they are one of the most dominant teams in the regular season. Yes. They just are. I mean, I I think the Hurricanes are going to be a top-five team in the NHL. I mean, the, the battle for the Eastern Conference who gets top seed could very well just be New Jersey and Carolina, and it could, like it was last year, be a difference of one three point. points. Yeah. It was one point last year. So uh, the reason why the Hurricanes won for me, uh, I I trust their goaltending more than I trust New Jersey's. I, I think one through three, they have three solid starters. Um, that's just my personal opinion of it. Say what you want about Freddie Anderson. He's a great regular season goalie. Is he a good postseason goalie? Absolutely not. He's kind of ass in the postseason. Uh, same with Ranta and uh, Kope- Ko- Kokechkov. How do you say Koshik- his name? Koshikov. Koshikov. Um, he's a very good goalie as well. So I just have them finishing first. It's a boring pick because they've won the division, what, like three straight years? Something like that. Yeah, they're, they're a very boring pick. I just think they're a rock-solid team, and I think New Jersey is going to be very good. But there's – a difference between going into a season as an, a plucky upstart underdog team and going in as the proverbial favorite. Yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to bet on this devil's team and their talent for this season. They they still have questions to answer because the, the abs have been in this position before exactly. where it's like, you're not the underdog anymore. There's expectations on you. Now you're a cup favorite. You've got the talent you need. Now you need to go and do that again. But with the talent that the Devils have and some of the additions that they made this offseason, I'm willing to bet on them. I'm willing to bet on them not just to win the Metro, but I think they're going to win the East. Not in the playoffs. We'll get to that eventually. I haven't even decided why for that yet. But for the Eastern Conference, I think the Devils are going to win the East in the regular season. And they've got a, a 
a really, really good team here. I'm fully willing to bet on Jack Hughes getting over 100 points. Tyler Toffoli coming to this team is a huge addition. Jesper Brat's really grown into his role. They've got Timo Meyer locked up. And potentially a huge addition to this team is Luke Hughes. And if he can grow into a full-time role this season and turn into a top defenseman, they might have a potential Calder winner on their hands on top of this defense and on top of already having Dougie Hamilton. And they're a deep team too. I mean, they're putting Andre Pallad on their third line. They still got Eric Halla. They've still got a younger guy, like potentially Alex Holtz might be on that third line, or it might be Dawson Mercer and their fourth lines. It's nothing to shake your head at Thomas. Nosek, Michael McLeod, Curtis Lazar. They've got the pieces that they need to go and win. I don't know if they go and do that this season. I still think there's pain that needs to come first for this devil's team to get over the hump, but if they have the energy that they had last regular season and they can deliver early, I think that this team is going to to win the East. I I just I like how this team is built. The only thing holding me back to man, I don't trust their goaltending, man. I just don't trust Vitek Vanacek or Blee or I, I just don't. Uh, if they go and get Connor Hellbuck, yeah, they're they're the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. I just don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they will, and I don't think they should either. I think Vanacek is a fine fringe starter. He definitely petered off last season, but there's a big wild card in Akira Schmid, who has played who played about 27 games last year and was a 922 and came in in the playoffs, turned the tide of that Rangers series and won it for them and got lit up by the Hurricanes. But yes. this is a goalie who is 23 years old. This is probably going to be what holds the Devils back from a Stanley Cup and maybe a deep playoff run this season. But if Akira Schmid or Vanacek can just perform decent for them, they've got as good of a chance as anyone this regular season. And they're probably going to be one of the teams to beat. And maybe I'm just getting caught up in the excitement and in the hype. But this is mostly what you look for when you look for a team to to take that next step into Stanley Cup favorite they have the superstar in jack hughes they've surrounded him with a plethora of elite talent and now they're adding luke hughes to that back end and Jonas siegenthaler is turned into everything i would have hoped he was when he was with the caps dougie hamilton i i had him on my norris ballot last year i know he didn't get it I, i personally thought he was one of the best and they've got john marino another super underrated guy if you can just get past their goaltending Pound for pound, this might be the best roster in the league, but that goaltending is what's going to hold them back, I think. And that's what's scary. But there is a chance. There is a chance that Akira Schmid is that, because this isn't Mackenzie Blackwood anymore. True. That is a chance that that might actually be a really good one-two punch. It could be, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. I have them finishing second. I agree. I think they're going to be one of the teams in the East that you're going to have to contend with at the end. To me, when I look at them, I kind of see the avalanche from the shortened season. That's kind of the vibes I'm getting with this team. Which, which shortened season? The 2020 season, where they won the President's Trophy. Mm-hmm. I think they're a. I think they're a year away from that. I th- I see the year before with them. The one where they finished. Yeah, they lost in the yeah. bubble. Yeah, the one where they lost to Dallas in the bubble. Because yeah. like the thing though with the Devils is you talk about expectations is. They last year was house money for them. Like they could not do anything wrong and they overperformed that even. They beat the Rangers in a seven game series and a a game seven in New Jersey. Tell that to any one of those fans at the start of that season. They would have been over the moon. 
But now the expectation is, okay, we did that, and we got properly smoked by the Hurricanes in the second round. Second round is still a high bar. You it still got to be one of the final four teams remaining. And we've talked about teams so far in the East like that are not a joke. And okay. now we're going to talk next episode about teams in the Atlantic. There's a lot of good teams here. And they're they're going to have to to fight. Probably, they might have to face the Rangers again. They're probably going to have to play the Hurricanes again. And I believe in them. I'm willing to bet on their talent. I don't know if I believe it enough to have, pick them as a Stanley Cup winner. But I think for Not the yet. regular season, at the very least, like I'd I'd probably expect Jack Hughes to be on a couple hard ballots. I'm telling you, dude, if they go get Connor Hellbuck, they're a Stanley Cup favorite. But I, is that what they really need to be doing at this point right now when you don't know what you have with Akira Schmid yet? No, but that's what I'm saying at the trade deadline. That could be something. Like, imagine if this team had UC Soros. They'd be they would be the favorites. And they they, they might be the favorites right now. I, I think they probably are, but I just don't trust that goaltending enough. I'm going to give it to Carolina to to stay on top of that division. I think it's going to be a very close come down to the last game. I just, I just don't think I trust Carolina's goaltending as much as you do. I think that's ultimately the the disconnect. Like I think Freddie and Ranta are great. I worry about their health in the regular season. And Anderson was fine in the regular season. He was a 903 last year. And if if Koshikov can come in and steal the job from both of them. I think he's got potential to be something special. Yeah. But they, they're a rare team where they have three options in that. Yes. And, and all three are kind of meh. Yeah. All three of them are pretty good yeah. most of the time. They're pretty good. So they're, they're never really going to be at a deficit in goal. I think it's going to be really close. If Schmid and Vanacek are not up to the challenge, then it's probably going to be Carolina again that wins the division. But if they are, I think it's going to be the Devils division to lose. I don't disagree with that. It's just, I'm a. That's just my bold take. I'm gonna have Carolina as the the winner of the Metro. I like, and it. I don't think it's that bold. I, it, the funny part is, we just spent whatever how long we talked about the Metro. I think regardless, it's going to be Carolina versus New Jersey in the second round, no yeah. matter who makes it. I just, I just don't think there are teams on that level in this division. Like, it's a very one-two team or one-two division so far and the rest are gonna battle for spots that i think ultimately won't matter correct yes so there it is that's the metro 25 percent done yeah three more to go three more to go we're gonna be so for you guys it's gonna seem like it's taking a while we're gonna be sitting through this thing the whole time yes sir we're gonna hop, we're gonna hop off of this one and jump right into the atlantic prediction from here but i feel like these that's how these rankings always go we have like the same thing outside of like two teams yes Yes, yeah. I mean that's just we're that's just what smart hockey minds do. Yeah, great great minds think alike, as they say. As you know, you look at our rankings last year. Uh, yes, yeah, very clearly see with our predictions. I don't even, were they even bad last year? I honestly don't even remember. No, I don't think. I think we got like six of eight in each. We definitely record. did not have the Devils. No, no, we did not. Yeah, we. we I think we both had the Caps in the playoffs. Yes, we did. I had them as the uh, three. I, I mean, now we're saying this out loud. This doesn't sound very good. Yeah, let's, let's just get to the end of the episode. Let's, just, let's move on from that. Let's not think about that too hard. But anyway, that's going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs. It is. 
But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.